Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. listeners and welcome to Left Foot. Today, our guest is Jill Weber, the Chief Marketing and Business Development Officer at Stinson Leonard Street. Jill directs marketing and business development across 14 offices at this 500 attorney firm. She is also the creator of the Fast Forward Business Development Coaching and Professional Services Training Program. Jill's been at Stinson for 13 years following a career in strategic marketing communications and PR. Jill, I've given our listeners some insight into your role and background. Can you expand on what I've said and give us a glimpse into your role at Stinson and with the Fast Forward program? Absolutely. I'm happy to do so. My role at the firm, as you mentioned, focuses on both strategic marketing and business development. I would say a great amount of time is spent on the business development front, both coaching individual attorneys, as well as coaching client teams and working on RFPs and pitches and overseeing our team, which handles all the marketing communications and business development needs of the firm. So you have a front row seat to the business development that occurs at your firm. What strengths or habits do you feel... um, are critical to be successful in developing business in law firms and professional services in general? I think particularly for the attorneys, a critical strength or habit is to have a healthy sense of curiosity about both the client and the industry in which they live. I conduct client interviews with our firm chair on a regular basis. We conduct about 15 to 20 in-person client interviews every year, and we supplement that with an electronic survey of 400 clients where we ask for their feedback. And some of the universal themes that come through are that they want attorneys who understand their business. And there's two components to that. One is understanding their unique business and culture. What is the language they use? How do they treat one another? What is their business philosophy? As one client shared with us in a litigation situation, it depending on the firm culture, they may or may not take a different litigation approach because some companies may be very aggressive and some may be more interested in settling a matter. The other side of it is really how well do you understand the industry in which they operate? How well do you understand the healthcare industry? How well do you understand the agribusiness industry? How well do you understand pharmaceuticals? They really want the attorneys who are going to bring them not just legal solutions, but business solutions and business solutions that are grounded in the reality of their regulatory environment. So this is a great point. One we're hearing more about. We had someone on from Axiom and they've partnered with... McKenzie to give their team somewhat of a, an in-house MBA so that that team better understands the business objectives of the client. I'm hearing a little bit of that. I'm hearing the curiosity and desire to know, understand, communicate around both the industry and their specific business. My big question, how open are your attorneys to gaining this knowledge? Do you get a lot of pushback when you come back from one of those client interviews and they've said, hmm, you know, they really don't understand our business? That's a great question. I see generally a very healthy sense of curiosity from our attorneys. And we have a mantra when it comes to our clients of one size fits one. And I have the same mantra when it comes to our attorneys, which is you have to, one size fits one. You have to figure out what speaks to that individual. So in one example, I can think of a partner that I've worked with who has a particular 
personal passion around a specific industry. He doesn't currently have any clients in that industry, but because he's so passionate about it, he's found that as an entree to go to industry conferences and to start to meet people and to build those relationships. So there is a situation where I can build that healthy curiosity around a personal curiosity. There are others where perhaps they're only offering a specific narrow slice of service to a client in that industry. So the way that we build that curiosity as we come back from the client interview and are able to connect some of the dots and say, the client mentioned that this is a particular challenge of theirs. And by the way, this partner in this other office has a great expertise. You know, it's a different practice area, but it's directly related. This could be an opportunity for you to talk with that partner and perhaps to introduce the client to that partner, not in a position of we want to just go and get the work, but simply could you bring that partner to the client and let that partner talk about what he or she is seeing in the industry that would be informative to the client. Clients really appreciate when you're delivering that kind of value where it's off the clock and you're coming to them with ideas that they aren't already thinking about. Absolutely agree. Finding something that's already of interest, I think is is a very solid one. That said, the next two questions talk about strategy and tactical best practices. The reason we put them here is because time is a resource that partners will typically reflect on not having a lot of time to devote to business development. What is your recommendation from both a strategic approach as well as a tactical approach as far as developing business. One of the things you mentioned in the introduction was a program that we've developed here at our firm called Fast Forward. And I think just talking about that briefly as a case study helps to demonstrate how we tie both the strategy with the tactical best practices. So back in 2003, we came up with an idea that we could provide additional business development support to partners who had the opportunity to really expand their practices, but perhaps had not yet achieved the level of client relationships that they were really looking for the long run of their careers. And as part of that, and as we looked at forming this program that we now called Fast Forward, which is an integrated business development program, it combines both individual coaching with an individual business plan with business development training as a group, and then also a collective group sharing of insights and ideas. It's a two-year program that we have implemented We're now in our sixth two-year program, and we found it to be extremely successful both in terms of direct business development successes with clients, but also in terms of better understanding among the attorneys who are part of the group, the different services and practices that they're offering. And so it fosters really cross-servicing and delivering the best solutions to the clients. So what we found from a strategy standpoint is that it's really important to sit down with a partner at the beginning when they enter the Fast Forward program and they're working with their coach. One of the first questions the coach asks is, where do you want to practice? Where is your practice today and where do you want it to be going forward? And sometimes they don't have the chance to step back and look at that. So let's say that they're a labor and employment lawyer and they might be spending a lot of time on general employment counseling, but they really have a particular passion around, oh, it could be around labor related issues or it could be around specific EEOC claims or around sexual harassment claims. They might have some very specific sub area or it could be that there's a particular industry that's seen an increase in the type of work that they do, but they haven't broken into that industry. So we're really always asking them, what's the area of practice you're interested in is one component. What real area of specialty? And second, what industries have the greatest need for that area of specialty? So those are two components of the overall strategy. Then when you talk about tactical best practices, we really look at tactics in a variety of areas. So a lot of our focus is very much on the one-to-one as opposed to -to one-to-many. So we often say business development is one-to-one, marketing is one-to-many. And often attorneys can spend a 
lot of time marketing and they might be going out and presenting at a bar association meeting because that's where they're comfortable. Now, depending on your area of practice, for certain areas of practice that are strong referral networks, say bankruptcy, tax, trust, and estates, it might be that there's certain bar related or lawyer groups where that is their best source of work. But for many of our attorneys, it should be working with industry groups where they might be the only attorney. So how do they focus and refine and say, where can I be meeting the businesses who I'm going to serve as opposed to my competition who are already going to meetings? So often on that one-on-one piece, we're always looking at three components. Number one, who are your key clients? Number two, who are your key prospects? And number three, who are your key referral sources? The other thing that is some of when I said the one-to-many part of it, we look at articles, we look at presentations, we look at organizations that they should be joining where it's not that they know one individual company that they're trying to target, but they really want to be looking to meet a number of people in this industry. So I'm going to join this industry association or I really need to build up my core expertise and demonstrate it through writing articles. So what are the right publications? And those may not be law publications. They might be industry publications. I can think of a couple of very interesting articles that we placed recently where they were not at all the usual suspects. I mean, I don't think one publication had seen an article published by lawyers, but yet the target audience was specifically related to the people who would hire us for that service. And we had a very unique, deep specialty. And as a result of the article, the attorneys are receiving a number of calls from businesses that need their expertise. Quick question on the fast forward program. Two questions, actually. First, at what point are you putting an attorney into that program? When they just make partner prior to or? That's an excellent question. We have found and we have implemented with primarily partners and at different stages of their career. And what I have found is that the sweet spot are the partners who have been partners for less than 10 years. And in particular, I'd say it's within the first one to six years of being a partner. And the reason I say that is I often have seen what I call when you become a new partner, within one to two years, you enter the valley of despair. And people have said to me, I don't understand what that means. You become a partner. That's kind of the pinnacle. That's what you're doing. You're growing to become a partner in a law firm. That's really an achievement. And the reason I call it the valley of despair is that typically when you become a partner, you've been an incredibly successful associate. You've had high billable hours. The clients love you. The partners love you. You are busy all the time. You haven't needed to do any business development. The work has been coming your way. And suddenly you become a partner. And not only do you have a different billing rate and a different title, but your fellow partners now say, I don't need another partner on this matter. I'm going to go find the next associate who's at the right level where you used to be. And besides now you're a partner and I'm expecting you to be going out and finding your own clients. And so these associates who have been very, very successful with high billable hours and great client relationships, those client relationships are no longer the right fit for their level. And suddenly they see a drop off in billable hours. And at the same time, they haven't been involved in business development. They haven't learned those business development best practices. So they don't have their own clients filling their plates and they don't have a book of business. And that's what I mean by that valley of despair. So when they hit that point and they realize, wow, my billable hours are not what they were when I was an associate. I don't have the book of business that I am going to need to have. They are very willing and open to being coached and to try new things. I often say to them in the fast forward program, you may spend a little bit more time marketing in the first two years of the program, but I can guarantee you that going forward, you will spend the same amount of marketing you were doing before or perhaps less, but it will be far more effective because you're going to take the time to focus on what achieves those strategies. I talked about the specialization and those industries where it's appropriate and then which tactics are really the most relevant. One of the most rewarding pieces of feedback I had from an early participant in the fast forward program was the best thing that Jill taught me is that I need to stop making presentations to the Employment Law Association because it's just all my peers and competitors. And while I really appreciate building relationships with them, I need to go out and be speaking to people in this industry because I have this very deep specialty 
specialty and the companies in this industry need me. And by moving and shifting to that focus, it's more personally rewarding for me and I'm delivering more value to clients. We've heard a number of guests talk about this shift. It would be so much more effective to find that niche of people in a particular industry and get to know people in a particular space. I'm sure the light bulb goes off often when you're in these fast forward programs and you make that note. I saw you present and you talked about in this particular presentation, some kind of contest that you were running for people that were in the fast forward program. And the reason I'm raising it is I was on with the gentleman who is the founder of Clearview social. And he is promoting contests as a way for firms to get their attorneys to be more engaged in certain areas. And of course, I'm surprised by that. So if you would make a statement around the contests you've had and the effectiveness of them. Absolutely. So in our very first fast forward program, I did a lot of industry research and benchmarking. And that's how I identified things like core elements of coaching and having a business plan and, you know, bringing people together as a group. But one of the things that I had learned is that I'm married to someone who who's in sales and is very, very successful at that. And those who are in sales, there are often award trips. They call it things like President's Club or whatever it might be, where people who are in the top echelon get an opportunity to go and travel somewhere as a result of their extraordinary efforts. And having been a recipient of that, what I, what I really admired about it was not just that they were recognizing the person who achieved it, but they were also recognizing the people in their personal lives who contributed to it, meaning the spouses who are also being part of that growth because there's a lot of sacrifices people are making to achieve certain accomplishments. So as part of the fast forward program, what we what we decided to test in the first group was we had a revenue goal for the attorneys in that program and we wanted them to try to build relationships with X number of clients, et cetera. And what we decided to do is to create basically these tiered incentives. And one of them, if you achieve the top goal was a trip to any Ritz-Carlton in the United States with your spouse, three nights, four days, airfare, hotel, et cetera. And I remember when I announced it at the first group, one of the attorneys said, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. No one is going to be incented by a trip. But I had two very successful young partners who were very highly motivated by the goal and both of them achieved the goal in the first year. And so they both received the trip and went on the trip with their spouses. When one of them came back from the trip, I still have saved this voicemail message from him because it was like 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And he said, I just want to let you know that my wife and I just got back from our fast forward trip. And it was the best trip we've had since going on our honeymoon 10 years ago. And we've had a lot of great family vacations, but this was really special to have this time, just the two of us. And the funny part was at the end, he said, and she wants to know if I achieve the goal again this year, can I have another trip? And I thought that's really interesting. And the great part of that was our response was, well, yes, thinking he's not going to be able to achieve it all over again in a second year, but he did achieve it the second year. So for certain people, those kinds of additional incentives are an added motivation. Great to hear that. You always question people who are making a, a very solid living. Does that appeal to them? And I think many cases it does. And there's some nice things about the way you did it. You let them go off and choose that probably made it more unique. It sounds like a very strong business development program, one that the firm has invested in both in creating the program and executing the program. And of course, the time of your professionals that is now dedicated to being in the program, both learning from it and spending time on the program. Since it started in 2003, and of course, the market has changed for law firms, for legal services since 2003, especially 2008 and beyond. How has business development changed for your firm due to those changing market conditions? Have you seen any trends that you've had to adjust to and 
And if you could comment on how the program has helped you adjust to those trends. The primary change has been obviously the growth of both in-house counsel in larger companies and also the rise of different ways of managing the legal department. So you can see traditional in-house legal departments with a general counsel and other in-house counsel. We're also seeing an increase in dedicated, what I would call law department operations. For example, there's CLOCK, the organization of those who are functioning within law department operations. And then there's also separately where procurement departments and sophisticated large companies, meaning procurement that's running procurement for the entire company, not just legal operations, is also actively involved in the procurement of legal services. So each of those audiences has different needs. Back to my comment, one size fits one. But the growth and understanding of the differences in those needs and how they approach the selection of legal services has been really critical to the education of our attorneys. So some of the fundamentals I mentioned earlier about understanding their business, understanding their industry, absolutely still are very, very critical. But the legal operations and procurement, in addition, rise to how do you develop the appropriate efficiencies and how you deliver services so you can be as cost effective as possible? What kind of project management services are you using? How are you aggregating and reporting back statistics? Some of the law department operations are unbelievably sophisticated in how they review the legal bills and the conclusions. Conclusions and the big data and the data analytics that are coming out of it is really something that law firms can learn from. And so one of the learning lessons of that is that where I think years ago, marketing was more of a silo, marketing business development could have been more of a silo and you would just operate and do certain things. There is a real collaboration that happens between our department and technology, for example, because clients want extranets, they want access to technology, they want technology efficiencies on the back end in terms of document production and also if it's sophisticated litigation and how you're managing an enormous number of documents for discovery. Then there's also finances, how we're working with legal project management and with pricing. So really educating our attorneys on all of those components of the client relationship, not that just the delivery of did I get the legal memorandum? Did I handle the transaction appropriately? Was the litigation resolved to the client's satisfaction? But was it done as efficiently, as effectively, as price competitively as it could be? Those are all new elements of ultimately the relationship between the attorney in the client. We're seeing so much change there, but good change and strong change. Definitely legal project management, value pricing, looking at how technology is applying. Jill, it's been a great interview. I appreciate you spending time with us on Left Foot. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye? I guess the last thing that I would add The more that we have the opportunity as law firms to collaborate with our clients and to see both sides of the equation, it is so incredibly beneficial. We take every opportunity we can, not just client interviews, but bringing clients in. And so just welcoming that dialogue between both the clients and the law firms, I think that's really going to add value to the relationship because we need to understand where they're coming from and we need to improve our processes and efficiencies to help deliver even greater value to their organizations. Great last point. Very informative interview. Jill, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Nice to talk with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot. 